Yeah, he, he tells the a story that when they were in the National Military Command Center, you know, and Rumsfeld was there, Dick Myers was there. There was just a couple of other people there, and there was Peter. And there was a, a retired colonel who was a civilian who was still working there. And he was sitting at the, um, uh, at the desk, you know, was with sort of his, his hands kind of up to his, his, his lips like, you know, he was praying. And he wasn't watching the TV. And Peter was just enamored that, you know, he wasn't watching like everyone else was. And, and he looked at and he knew him. And he looked at him and he said, what are you thinking? And he said, the, he said they're coming for us. And he said it wasn't more than 15 seconds after those words left his mouth that they, the plane hit the Pentagon, and, and they felt it. He said that the room just moved right, and then moved left, knocked. Everybody fell down. They thought one um, uh, colonel probably may have broke his arm because he fell so hard. And uh, they weren't sure what happened. Uh, Rumsfeld and, and Myers went into action and said, you know, there was an admiral that just picked Peter up by the collar of his shirt and said, get everybody out, start getting everybody out. Uh, Cause I don't know what's happening. I don't know if there's any more coming in or not. You know, there's, there's the gaping hole and they all just looked up and, you know, here's this huge fireball, you know, you know, five, six, 700 feet in diameter and a big mushroom cloud. And Peter said, you know, his first thought was, have we just been hit by a tactical nuke? The absolutely catastrophic mismanagement, the criminal overprinting of our U.S. dollar is rendering its value every day that goes by less and less. Therefore, take matters into your own hands, patriots. Click on the Find Out More button next to the gold bars that you'll find on the Black and White Network and protect your monetary assets now by investing in gold and silver and tell them that Bill McIntosh sent you and protect your assets today. Bill McIntosh Show now on with Tony Camary, and I'm going to tell you all about who he is and how this ties into 9-11 um, and to remembering two very remarkable individuals who died uh, because of the Pentagon attacks on 9-11. Well, first of all, Anthony Kimmery served nearly a decade as a counterintelligence analyst during the waning years of the Soviet Union and the first few years of the Russian Federation. His activities included intelligence collection and monitoring uh, sensitive site exploitation, as well as other assignments involving counterterrorism. His specializations in homeland security include a wide spectrum of, of counterintelligence, counterterrorism, intelligence collection, and tradecraft, and the ability to both materialize and discern patterns in disparate and structured all-source uh, intelligence information streams. Um, he's also an award-winning journalist. He's an editor focused on both national and global security matters with decades of experience, including a stint from 2004 to 2017 as Editor-in-Chief of Homeland Security Today magazine, uh, the de facto journal of record for the Homeland Security community. Uh, currently, uh, uh, Anthony Kimmery is Editor-in-Chief of Intelliscopes, a Homeland and National Security News Insight and Analysis multimedia company which produces the Homeland Security Off the Record talk show. 
that uh, Tony Camurri hosts with experts in national security and, and narrates the debriefings investigative reports. Um, both of these are, in, are available on YouTube under the terms Homeland Security Off the Record. Uh, Tony has written for the Washington Post, Wired, Insight on the News, The Veteran, Vietnam Magazines, and his work has been cited in mainstream U.S. media, books, congressional research, service reports, naval postgraduate uh, school master's theses, military publications, and has been footnoted in nearly 100 scholarly papers. Um, he's appeared on TV and radio programs and appeared on programs as, as prominent as Joe Rogan Questions Everything and other shows as well. He serves on the board, uh, the advisory board of the Mississippi College's Center for Counterterrorism Studies, and, and he's senior Homeland Security subject matter advisor analyst for all cyber advisories, the China 863 analyst reports. We're doing this, Anthony, also in conjunction with Neary Center for Strategic Engagement. Every year they have a, a an article about someone remi- remembering somebody or victims of 9-11 who are unique and, and, and merit mention. The, just to make something known about those who may not know the Neary Center for Strategic Engagement, uh, founded by Sargis Sangari on 9-11, in 2014, and um, it's an organization that uh, shares a very unique tie-in with the Pentagon because it was the Pentagon was celebrating its 60th anniversary from its, uh, I guess, its opening on September 11th, 2001. A lot of people don't know that. Apparently, it it, um, it opened um, on that same date in 1941. It's an amazing thing, and also um, Lieutenant Colonel Sangari founded. Um, Neary Center for Strategic Engagement on that same um, uh, date in the calendar, uh, September 11th, but in 2014. So, Anthony, listen, wanted to ask you about, I think, probably two of the most remarkable victims whose, whose work needs to be remembered, but whose names can't be articulated because of the type of work they did. They worked in human intelligence. Tell us about these unique individuals. I guess we want to call them. We call them Tom, Tom, and, Tom, and, Tom and Joe or Tom and Jerry. Tom, Tom, and, Tom and Jerry. Tom and, I think right, I Tom, actually refer, actually, we actually refer to them as Pete and repeat. Okay, sure. Well, okay, fine. We'll talk, talk to them as Pete and repeat. Tell us about Pete and repeat and who these guys were. I, guys, I assume they were guys and maybe, they, yeah. maybe one or both were female. I don't know. No, they were both. They were both men. Uh, first, thank you for having me on your program, and uh, thank uh, uh, the, the good Colonel for having introduced us. Uh, yeah, likewise. Amen. Uh, they were two gentlemen who I had previously uh, worked with in counterintelligence. Um, I had already gotten out. Um, they were younger. They had stayed in. Um, I can't reveal who or what organization they were working with. I can't even mention the acronym, even though it, I'll call it a, an intelligence cell. It no longer exists, but it still remains classified as do their identities. They were involved in human intelligence uh, gathering, primarily um, dealing with um, threats to, to any branch uh, of the military um, at the time, uh, it was a time when you know, we weren't really sure who all of the, th- the threats were. 9-11 had not happened yet, although clearly uh, we were aware that Islamic or radical Islam was a problem, you know, going all the way back to the Munich massacre, uh, you know, the Israelis, uh, Beirut in 83, the, you know, the Marine barracks bombing, the embassy bombing, um, 
but after the fall of the Soviet Union, um, everyone was pretty much scrambling around trying to figure out who our enemies are and who we needed to be looking out for. There, were, there was just a lot of things on the radar. Um, we were involved in counterintelligence, uh, primarily, uh, originally, um, Soviet era uh, spies, sleepers in the United States, uh, what they call illegals or undocumented. And then when the wall fell, uh, you know, KGB came, became the FSB, but they still had their own intelligence network set up in, in the United States. And these two gentlemen were among our, our team. Um, in fact, there's only one person still alive uh, who, who was on the, the team. It was part of an organization that had five or six different compartmentalized um, units doing different things. Uh, under the commander of, um, or under the command of a lieutenant general uh, in Army Military Intelligence, um, and that's that's what we did. Uh, they were there at the Pentagon that day. Unfortunately, they did not office there. They did not work there, but they were there for a highly classified briefing. Um, I don't know what it was about. Uh, I was going to catch up with them afterwards, have drinks with them, and, you know, do the regular chit-chat and, and catch up because we had not seen each other in, in a while. Um, like I said, they continued on. I had already gotten out uh, because of an injury I suffered. Um, they did, I mean, they were heroes. They did a lot of great, great groundwork. They had, they had been involved in uh, classified um, exfiltrations, infiltrations. Um, they weren't actually part of what we would call today uh, special operations groups uh, or any kind of a special operation force, but that's kind of what, what they did. It was a whole different organization that if people remember an old group called the Intelligence Support Activity uh, or, 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 or operations called yellow fruit um and there was another another one sea spray i believe that that it caused somewhat of a scandal um after it was referred to during congressional testimony um so the the, the operation the groups were kind of broken up and, and reorganized under a different uh entity and um uh, they were transferred to another part of the, uh, the program that was created as part of the breakup of the original intelligence support activity and continued on. Um, like I said, I had already gotten out. Uh, I suffered a, a leg injury. Um, I wasn't even supposed to be in the field. I turned out to be kind of a, uh, a reluctant Jack Ryan um, at one point, literally getting thrown on a helicopter. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Um, they were very dear friends of mine. Um, and I was actually en route to the Pentagon. Uh, I wasn't going to the Pentagon. I was going to go over and wait till they got through doing what they were doing. And uh, we were going to meet up afterwards and meet up with some of the old uh, members of uh, our, our team. Wow. So this, I know it was like maybe a get together for lunch or for a mid afternoon. Um... Uh, we usually, uh, we had a couple of watering holes because they were, probably going to be there late into the the um, afternoon or evening of course when that happened um 
it, it took a while before I even realized uh, that um, uh, they had been killed. Uh, I, I didn't know about it until it, it took several days for me to, to know it, actually. Wow. So at that time you were concerned? You didn't know maybe exactly where they were in the Pentagon? Uh, Such a massive just, complex. Uh, well, they were in they were in that wing. Uh, there, there was a particular, I, I can't even say what it was, but there was a particular organization that had a wing below where the uh, Flight 77 actually hit. And uh, they happened to be there. Uh, that's where they were uh, giving a briefing and also being debriefed on um, a couple of um, um, intelligence programs that they, they were working on at the time. That's amazing, huh? Reminds yeah. me a little bit of um, the death of a, an important FBI official who, whose name at this moment I don't remember, but he was very well known. And he was in the World Trade Center, and his function was to basically he was uh, he was the FBI's guy investigating Bin Laden. Yes, I know who you're talking about. I I, I don't recall his name, but um, I do know who you're talking about. Yeah, it's amazing. And so here we have, you know. Amazing coincidences that people who are dealing with really the at the tip of the spear in, t in terms of human intelligence uh, know, it's, can be stated. It's kind of like, you know, I know you want to talk about this, but it's kind of like what happened when uh, Islamic Jihad um, or Hezbollah, actually, uh, they're both Iranian backed when they bombed the uh, U.S. embassy in Beirut in 83. It took out our entire um, Middle East uh, CIA experts, uh, the to our top experts um, at the time. Um, wonderful people, wonderful people. Um, you know, it, it was much like that. We, we just, we lost a lot of people. In fact, it, it, it set us back um, for quite a period of time. Sure, because these are people that, you know, they're, they're combined um, endowment of, of training and knowledge and language uh, proficiency probably was maybe a couple of centuries, you know? Yes, uh, yes. I mean, you know, uh, people who are still in this, um, who have stayed in, um, or if you've, you know, e even put in your 20 years and you, and you stay in, you're talking about a lot of institutional memory and a lot of institutional knowledge, uh, which I think you and I talked about that the other, the other day. We've lost that or it's being lost. Uh, and it's, it's a real tragedy. Um, it's an absolute, yes, it's a tremendous lo a loss of uh, you know, treasured human assets who you know, they, you expect them to, to come to the end of their careers and to be able to brief a lot of people and train a lot of people and pass on the torch to younger generation, a younger generation of people involved with intelligence gathering and analysis and, and operations and field craft and all these. Um, yeah, these I mean, most in the, in the intelligence community, you know, there, there are a lot of archives and records and databases, but, you know, as far as knowing the history of things and how things came about and making connections or reading something in a, you know, a current intelligence uh, stream of whatever it might be. And you read or see something, 
if you don't know what happened, let's say 20 years ago, you might not make the connection of, to, to what you're actually seeing in some intelligence stream right now. Probably won't. Yeah, you, you know, um, right? it happens to it's me all the time. It's likely that you won't. It happens yeah, to me all the like time. I'm reading something or I'll look at something and I'm going, wait a minute. I know what, wait a minute, that, that relates to this and that. And, you know, it's, it's, of course, that's what I did. I had the innate ability enhanced with training and a lot of really cool tools uh, to see patterns in, you know, big data, vast amounts of intelligence streams and make sense of it and then start connecting the dots. Um, which is really how any good intelligence analyst does their work. Uh, it's the, it's the people like the two gentlemen, Pete and repeat, who I lost, you know, who were, who were out in the field, you know, actually collecting uh, the dirty work, doing the dirty work and collecting the intelligence and then bringing it back to the analyst uh, to make sense of. Right. And so they had, uh, did they have inklings that something like this daring was going to take place on American soil? There were a lot of us who, who, who who believed that we'd already seen the you know intelligence um i remember when i was driving in i heard i was in my uh chevy silverado uh, driving in on um like it was on route 29 uh, driving in to uh, to 66 on into dc and i heard it on the radio that uh, the first plane had hit the north tower and i i knew immediately I just instinctively knew what it was I, I didn't even think not, no, without even knowing that hearing about the second um, no, yeah the second plane had had not hit I, it was and i think it was anybody who who who, who at the time was privy to intelligence or, or knew anything about al-qaeda bin laden uh, you know the, what they, they had talked about or the, the chatter everybody i know of that that had access and knew they knew immediately what had happened before the second plane ever even hit. Sure, because it's a big, bold attack, asymmetrical, outside the box. And, and, we, knew, uh, and we knew that it was their target, you know, after they tried it in, um, nine, I think, what was it, 93, when they uh, uh, 93? blew up the bomb underneath one of the trade uh, towers. You know, they, we knew that they were going to do it again. We just didn't know how. Um, people say that there was a lack of a failure of imagination to think that they would fly planes into the Pentagon or any other or or the, or the the trade centers, but no, that what that was that wasn't a lack of imagination. We you know there were plenty of uh, of us in intelligence who weren't surprised at all. Uh, you know, um, right. there was an incident many 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 decades back uh which actually led to the creation of the nuclear emergency search team which is called the nuclear emergency support team now um in in which um uh, there were there was a hijacked plane and uh you know they were they were you know their demands weren't met they were going to fly it into oak ridge national laboratory uh, you know, so we knew oh, that well. planes could be used as vehicles, and we knew that we know that no nuclear power plants, uh, you know, the domes uh, constructed over the actual reactors uh, or the, the the fuel rod the containment housing, uh, you know, they're built to try to withstand you know, direct impact by a you know commercial jetliners. So you know, we knew that something like that could happen. You know, we had to think out of the box, and 
trust me, um, you really do think out of the box. You, you think of every possible thing that could happen, no matter how crazy it may sound, and you develop a contingency operations plan for it. Right. So, yeah, these are the, and also we had the, um, the Operation Bojinka, the frustrated Operation Bojinka uh, terror attack, which was going to be absolutely disturbingly spectacular. It would have been involved like 10 airliners, I think, being hijacked or being bombed. Was it simultaneously over the Pacific? It would have been an unbelievably shocking loss of humanity uh, and um, a terrible yes. uh, terrorist it, it, attack. And, and, we, and you know, there have been a number of potentially catastrophic, devastating um, attacks that have been stopped that will, you know, people will never know about. Of course, right. So l- looking at Pete and repeat, any idea on their backgrounds? Can you give us, tell us anything at all about, um, you know, the type of guys they were, um, you know, where they, they came were up from, to, uh, what they part came of the country to, they were from? Um, one was actually, one was from New York, and uh, the other one was from uh, in the South. I can't. I want to say Georgia, Alabama, uh, I, somewhere in the South. I can't remember now. Um, right. They both came up through the ranks of a particular service. Uh, their MOS was military intelligence, and uh, they went into counterintelligence. Uh, you know, right at you know right after uh that's what their mos was and, and that and it stayed with them um because at the time uh the kgb threat um at that time was still huge uh you know they were uh penetrating you know it was the time when they were actively involved in south and central america and other parts of the world uh you know, particularly the united states we had a very big concern about uh, what we call either sleepers or uh, or uh, uh, illegals, um, some of whom are still being rolled up. Um, they were just good old boys, uh, but they knew that they, they knew their business. Um, they weren't afraid of anything. Um, they did their jobs. They were true patriots. Um, sometimes they had to, you know, bend. Uh, things a little they didn't break any laws but they they had to bend a few things to save people let's put it that way yeah, well i bet they did they had and you know that their their career spanned uh quite quite a bit of time going back to the 60s or not quite that uh, long or yeah I, well i'm trying to think when they got in because um they were in their mid fifties on nine eleven, uh, so they they went in right after high school, actually, both of them.
that's your national.